Mark chapter 1. Been talking about the journey with Jesus. And in watching that video, I believe he's the Lord of lords. I believe he's the king of kings. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he's the Messiah. I believe he died for you. I believe he rose for you. And we could actually say this, that Jesus himself literally went to hell and back for you and me. And so this is what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Again, the journey of Jesus. If you were with us last week, we talked about his life, how his ministry started there in Matthew. And we saw in Matthew 4 how he was tested with three vicious and incredible temptations, but he passed them. And not only did he pass them on that journey, he showed us how to pass them. Now here we are in Mark chapter 1, and this is one of the first events ever in his ministry right here. Begin with me, Mark 1 verse 16. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, and as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, and I'm going to highlight that to start out immediately, because there's some significance in this, and we'll fill in the blanks as we go. But as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, understand this, that the Sea of Galilee was the lowest point in all of Israel. And this is where Jesus' ministry began. Right here. And so he's at the Sea of Galilee. And he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. They were fishermen. And you see, his Jesus' ministry began around people. It wasn't about religion or fulfilling anything. Jesus' life was always about people. You know why? Because people matter to God. And so he goes on in verse 17. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Once again, Jesus highlights the goal. Jesus highlights what was priority in his life, people. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they went after him. Now, I believe the same call that Jesus made to these four here are precisely the same call that he made to the other eight disciples, but it's precisely the same call he makes for you and me. This was Jesus' call. This was Jesus' charge. For us as believers. Now look at verse 17 because there's some great things in here. That Jesus first of all said, follow me. Follow me. Now if you'll note here, this was an invitation. Jesus didn't force this on anybody. He said, follow me. And so that's the same for us. Jesus will never impose himself on anyone until they respond to him. Jesus will never become Lord and Savior of your life until you invite him. He'll never be healer until you invite him. And so once again, he said, follow me, and follow me, and what? And I will make you. I will make you. Notice here, he didn't say, I will take you. He said, I will make you. The word make there has the implication to build or to rebuild. And so Jesus, you want, he wants to do in each one of us? He wants to make us. Make us what? Make us grow up into his, his, uh, uh, nature, his ability to conform to his image. 
where we follow Him and we become His hands. We become His mouth right here on earth. Make me. Make me. See, it wasn't about getting somewhere. Ultimately, guys, we're going to spend eternity in heaven. But it was about making us. And this was Jesus' heart right here. Now, when I start out and I start reading about what Jesus says in this passage, you think about his life, and he started out being baptized, and then he went into these incredible temptations. And I thought, after these happened in his life, why didn't he immediately then go to the cross and die? That was his ultimate assignment. That was why he came. And so modern techno or modern times we'd say, get her done. But why didn't Jesus go immediately? Well, not only is Jesus Lord and Savior, but Jesus is teacher. And the name teacher was the most described name that he had in the New Testament. Over 40 plus times, he was described as the teacher. Remember when he came back to life, the first thing that Mary addressed him was, Rabbi, teacher. And so what was Jesus' subject about? His subject, he taught, was life. He wanted to teach me and you about life on this journey. You know why? Because as human beings, we really don't have a clue on how to live. Over a period of time, you know what humanity's proven over and over? That when left to ourself, we'll make a royal mess of our lives. That was me. Without Jesus, my life was a royal mess. So Jesus wants to come in, and He wants to teach us how to live. How to live and live life to its best. Now turn over to Mark chapter 8. And this is where we're going to be at this morning. The book of Mark. And as you're turning there, Jesus himself, we're going to Mark 8. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, he described these two roads in life or these two gates. He said, first of all, there's this one road and it's narrow. And on that narrow road, there's few. There's only a few, but those who are on that road, they find life. There's another road that he described as broad or wide, and that road leads to death. And he said many are on that. The ones that are on that are literally just all screwed up in life. And you know what it is? It's because when people aren't connected to the source of life, which is God, we're going to make a mess of our life. That's why, guys, we've got to get hooked back up to the one who created us. Let me just share this real briefly before we go to, to Mark 8. Many of you right now, man, it's amazing how many of you are having dreams and stuff in, in your sleep about the kingdom of God. Well, in my own life, guys, I very seldom dream. But one thing the Lord has really been doing in, in my heart when I wake up in the mornings, it's very clear that there's been certain scripture that has just almost saturated me at night. When I wake up in the morning, it's very apparent and real to me. And, and he gave me two, two scriptures for the church, the body of Christ last night. And the first one, that he says that in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. And the Greek text for the word many means most. 
Now, he wasn't talking about unbelievers here, guys. He was talking about believers. He also talked about in the last days that many will depart from the faith, will grow weary in doing good. Listen, guys, I believe this is a warning to us as believers. i got to stay hooked with God. Daily. Daily, because... If there's a warning from Jesus himself who said, in these last days the love of many will grow cold, evidently there's going to be something that is going to try to pull us away from the kingdom of God. And so we must fight against that. We must stand against that. And you know what that means? God, I can't live lukewarm. I'm a saint on Sunday, and I'm a sinner on Monday. You know what Jesus has always looked for? Ones that are all in. So listen guys, take this as a wake-up call to understand, I must look at my own life. And you know what happens a lot of times as believers? I'll hear believers say this, don't judge me. Well, I'm not judging you guys, I'm telling you, judge your own life by the Word of God. And when you have things in your own life, you're going to have to become accountable to that. And so look at your own life. Mark chapter 8. Begin with me in verse number 27. Now Jesus is, he's well into the first year of his ministry here. And he says in verse 27, Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi and on the road. Now, when you look at Jesus' life in the book of Mark, his life was always in the motion. So you, you see that in Jesus' life in Mark, it was a series of road trips. This is what's going on. So on this road trip, he says to his disciples, say to them, who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. Now, just as the video said a minute ago, he's not comparable to anybody. There's none that compares to him. And as great as a man as John the Baptist was, and Elijah and the prophets, none of them compared to Jesus, and there'll never be a man that will compare to Jesus. You know why? Because he was without sin. As great as John the Baptist, he had sin. And so Jesus right here says, Who do men say that I am? Now, I believe not only was he asking his disciples that, I believe this is something he asked us, because throughout history, you've heard people describe who Jesus was. Some said he was a prophet. Some said he was a priest. Some said he was just a man. But look what Jesus says next. So he said to them, But who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? So you know what Jesus has now done? He's become very personal. Now this is big in me and you's life because Jesus was getting personal when he said, who do you say I am? I don't care who your mom says I am. And I really don't care who Aunt Susie says I am. And I don't care who Uncle Buck says, who do you say I am? And that's what's going to be important for every one of our lives because Jesus will be to you who you believe he is. I believe he's son of God. I believe he's the Messiah. I believe he's the only way to the Father. I believe he's the only way to heaven. Why do I say that? Because the scriptures talk about that. 
So he gives them this great analogy here and he says to them, Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. You are the answer. Then he strictly warned them they should tell no one about him. And Jesus began to what? To teach them that the Son of Man must, and that word must there indicates necessity, he must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and even be killed. Now Jesus here, guys, he declares that he's going to die, and in the book of Mark, he declares that three different times. This was the first time he said that I'm ultimately going to die. He knew that was his destination. And after three days, I'll rise again. Verse 32. And he spoke this word openly, frankly, or precisely. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Interesting, huh? (laughs) Every time I read this, I think, oh my gosh, Peter begins to rebuke Jesus. And think about this just for a minute. Why would Peter do that? I believe the reason Peter begins to rebuke Jesus is because of what Jesus said in verse 31. He said, I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to be rejected or disapproved. And ultimately, I'm going to die. So what does that all mean? Well, remember what we read there in Mark chapter 1 when Jesus gave the disciples the invitation, follow me, follow me. Now that was an invitation. He didn't force any of them. So Peter in his life, he's accepted the invitation. He's saying, you know what, Lord Jesus, I'm going to follow you. But guess what? Peter's not real thrilled about following Jesus anymore. When Jesus starts talking about this, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be rejected, and I'm going to ultimately die? You know why Peter doesn't like that? Because he's really not very fond of thinking this may happen to him. So Peter, in all his brilliance, he rebukes Jesus. And he takes Jesus aside, and this is what I believe he said to him. He said, now listen, Jesus. you got to quit talking all this negative. You're being really negative here. And it's very clear to me, you got to change your confession. And you got a poor self-image of yourself. Where's this self-image coming? And Jesus, you got to quit talking about this dying. I don't want to hear that no more. And so this is what begins the thought. Why? You know why Peter's saying that? Because Peter's realizing, for me to follow Jesus, I may have to suffer. I may be rejected, and ultimately... I may have to die. And so in Peter's eyes, he's thinking, I like to hang out with you, Jesus. I like seeing these miracles. I like seeing the blind see. But I'm really not real thrilled about this dying stuff. And so after Peter rebukes him, look what happens in verse 33. But when he had turned around and he looked at his disciples. Now, think about this. Peter rebukes Jesus, and and I'm sure all the disciples are thinking, what kind of stupid is he? And you know, Peter, he was notorious for opening his mouth, and now Jesus says, he looks at his disciples, and then what does Jesus do? 
He rebukes Peter. So guess what we got? We got the great rebuke showdown between Peter and Jesus. Interesting, huh? Now look what Jesus goes ahead and says. He rebukes Peter and he says, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You know what I believe he's telling him here? Peter, you've got to quit living for yourself. It's not just about you. The Amplified says it this way. You don't want to promote what God wills. You want to promote what pleases men. And so this is where all this begins at. And look what happens in verse 34. And when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, now listen right there, to the people and the disciples, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Now this is what Jesus said, and you know what that pertains to? That pertains to me and you. He said, let them deny themselves. In other words, i got to quit living for myself. i got to quit being selfish. And notice what Jesus says next. And take up his cross and follow me. How many of you did you realize you're going to have to take up your cross? And this is what began to get people. And Jesus is right here saying, listen, dude, these are the terms. It's going to have to happen on a daily basis. You're going to have to take up your cross and decide to follow me. Verse 35. And I think he's saying it like this. It's like this, Peter. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Now this is the commission for me and you. I got two choices here, guys. I can live for me and ultimately lose my life. Or I can live for Jesus and the gospel's sake. And what did he say? You're going to gain life. Verse 36. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world... And loses his own soul. Now when Jesus made this statement, guys. This just wasn't a a word or a sentence he said. This was a fact. That you can gain this world, gain the whole world. But ultimately lose your soul. And so Jesus right here, I begin to believe he's preparing his disciples for This is what's going to happen to you if you really want to follow me. Not only did I pay a price, you're going to pay a price. Keep reading. Verse 37. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me in my words right now, in this adulterous and sinful generation... Of him, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now, you know what he's saying here? The life that Jesus is teaching me and you, that I cannot continue doing what I want to do. 
In order to follow Jesus, I'm going to have to do some dying. And look what he said in this adulterous and sinful generation. So you know what he just said to us? You know what adulterous means? Unfaithful. Unfaithful. Jesus is raising the bar and he said, listen guys, two things. You got to be faithful to me and you got to get rid of that sin in your life. This is what he prescribed. Now the reason I believe Jesus is doing this, he wants to make you into a masterpiece. He wants to develop both of us, all of us. Not that we live by this manufactured world, but we let Jesus come in and make us. And not only that, then we don't forfeit eternal life. Is that a possibility? It has to be, or why would he have even mentioned this? Now once again right here, guys, Jesus' subject, his life, or his subject he taught was life. Jesus had a Ph.D. in life. How do I know that? John 10, 10 says that he came to give you life and that more abundantly. And so when we begin to get a hold of what Jesus teaches, he's going to teach us how to live life right here. You know, and I don't want to downplay heaven at all, guys. Heaven is going to be an awesome place. Every one of us, there are going to be mansions there. It's going to be a place where there's no crying. There's no pain, there's no tears, there's no sickness, there's no disease. But even when Jesus said, I came to give you life, He didn't say when you get to heaven. I believe He's wanting us to live the abundant life right here. So what is He telling us? When you're going through this life, guys, there's going to be seasons where you're going to have to suffer. And there's going to be seasons where you're going to be rejected. And there's going to be seasons where you feel like everything around you is death. And that may be where you're working at. Think about this right now. Are you the only believer at the place you work? Some of you are saying, yeah, and I'm praying to get out of there. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, God probably ain't going to allow that. You know why? Because you're the salt of that place. There's people that you're working around to this day that you're the only light that they may ever see. And so guess what Jesus is telling you? They're probably going to persecute you. They're probably going to disapprove you. You know why? Because Jesus said that's exactly what they did to me. And they're going to do it to you. And there's going to be times you're going to feel like, I want to quit. I want to give up. Have you ever been? I've been there, guys. I worked at a place like that for 18 years. I was the only believer there. And I'm going to tell you right now, every day that I went in there, I was mocked. There were days I wanted to quit. There were days I wanted to get away from them. And some of you have come to church here, you've heard me say this before. When you would go in there to work on a Monday morning and you would say good morning, you know how they'd say good morning? They'd shoot you the finger. When you brought up anything about the things of God, they would mock you, they would talk about you, they over and over and over. Who do you think you are? Mr. Goody Goody Two Shoes? And I remember at their company parties, everyone would be drunk but me and Shelly. And over and over we would be mocked and ridiculed. Now, listen to me real close. I thank God I never quit there. 
I thank God for because of God's grace, I kept loving those guys. And you know what began to happen? When those guys' life started messing up and becoming all broke down, you know who they would come to? You know why? Because they knew there was something different. And it wasn't because I'm some great person. It's because we begin to say, okay, Lord Jesus, make me. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, if you say I'm going to follow you, Jesus, now make me, you better get ready. Because he's going to start working you over in a good way. He's the potter, we're the clay. And you know what he's going to start doing? He's going to start some amputations on you. All the junk in your life that's got to be cut off. So why? He can make you that masterpiece for him. And to this day, guys, there's not a month that goes by that I don't get a phone call from those guys. One of them will call me, what's going on? Actually, I become their own personal chaplain. I marry them and I bury them. I'm job security. Thank the Lord. But I look and I think many times in my life, do do you think Jesus enjoyed being persecuted? He understood this is what's going to happen. And so he's teaching us in this thing called life. If you don't like that, think about it. You can gain the whole world and forfeit your eternity. Now as a pastor, I get the privilege of watching people grow. I've seen some of you take off and grow and grow with the things of God and it blesses me. But the flip side of that, I get to see people who trade in their salvation for the things of the world. And on a weekly basis now, I've been around a guy who used to come to this church. And when I see him, you know what I see? That passage right there. He's gained the world and going to lose his soul. And every time I look at him, I see this is a guy who ran from the persecutions because he said, you know what? I don't want this to happen. I would rather please men than please God. Go with me to the book of Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, just over a book. And now Jesus, guys, he's well into his second year in, in his ministry. Things are beginning to move as, as the teacher on his journey. And, and in verse 32, it says, Now they were on the road. He's on the road again. I told you, it's a series of road trips. But this time, guys, This road trip is a little different. Actually, this is his last road trip. This could be titled his death march. You know why? Because he's about nine days away from being crucified. He knows this. He's aware of this. Look what goes on. And it says, now he's going up to Jerusalem. Remember that little phrase right there, going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Why did that say that? Because his disciples were fully aware that the religious leaders of that time, they had warned Jesus over and over, you come back into Jerusalem, we're going to kill you. They knew this. So then Jesus took the twelve aside and again began to tell them the things that would happen to him. He said, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. We are going up to Jerusalem. Now I told you to make mention of that a minute ago. That's the second time he said that. Why is that significant? Think about this guys. 
When we started in Mark chapter 1, Jesus' ministry began at the Sea of Galilee, which was the lowest point in Israel. His ministry would end up at Jerusalem, which is the highest point in Israel. Why is that significant, guys? Because it's not just how you start. It's more about how you finish. And some of you may have not started very good. You may have started way down here at the bottom. If you'll let Jesus make you, He's going to move you to a highest point. He's got plans for you, guys. I don't believe He was just throwing the Sea of Galilee and Jerusalem out there. He's telling me and you that if I'll hook up with Him, and He's telling His disciples, you'll follow me, guys. Listen, I don't care what's happened in your life. I can still move. You don't have to show me your hands. How many of you started bad in life? That's me, guys. I can honestly say the first 20 years of my life, you know how much God was in my life? Zero. There was no God. I knew about God, but I didn't know God. And so because I surrendered and said, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to give you. Look what he's done. He begins to make me. He begins to make me. See, God's still in the business that he takes messes and makes miracles. He's still going to help if you'll just hook up and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to live for you. If you would have told me at the age of 18 what I would be doing today, I would have laughed you out of town. I would have said, I'll bet you everything I have. Back then, I didn't have very much. That will never happen. But once again, guys, listen, just what Jesus said to his disciples. I want to make you a masterpiece in this life. I want to use you. I want you to be able to become a fisher of men. And so you know what Jesus was telling them right there? The same thing he tells us. Your number one priority in, in life is not how much money I can make. It's people. It's people. Because people are the only things that will live for eternity. And so he goes up to the highest point in Jerusalem. And he says, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. This is the third time he announced his death, but this time he does it with added details. They will mock him and scourge him and spit on him, and they will kill him. Why do I tell you that, guys? Because there's a lot of this stuff right here that when you begin to serve Jesus, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And the Bible talks about there were many disciples who departed. They said, we're out of here. We're not going to do that. I believe this guy is right now more and more and more and more in the United States of America, we're going to see incredible persecutions begin to come. Nothing like we've ever seen. I'm just warning you right now. I mean, you look at one like Tim Tebow. I look at the person. He's on every talk show at night. I, I've seen uh, Letterman. I've seen those guys mocking. I've seen those guys on Comedy Central mocking. They do little skits about him bowing and doing that. But you know what I see about him? It doesn't move him a bit. And that's where we might as well get and say, it doesn't move me. Because you know what Jesus is saying here? He knew. They were going to spit on him. He knew they were going to mock him. 
You know, whether we believe this right now or not, this is happening in the northeast of the United States right now. That there's a strong push against the pulpit. That if you talk about certain things from the pulpit, it has now been described as hate crimes. For speaking the truth. You know what? If you ever see me get cuffed and taken off here for speaking the truth, don't feel sorry for me. Say, pastor was speaking the word. Pastor didn't bow. Because you know what? I've made up my mind. I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to bow. And you know what? I'm just going to say this. Even when we go to Mexico, when people say, do you realize people are dying there? I do. And I also realize that Jesus never said, don't go where people are dying. And we get all freaked out about that stuff. I'm not prophesying or praying that Shelly goes down there and dies. But you know what I do know? If she does, I'll see you on the other side, dear. You fought the good fight of faith. Are you prepared? I'm prepared for that, God. She knows that with me. That's part of this journey. My life is more than the 120 years I'm going to live here. Some of you caught that. I would like to have great, great, great grandkids. Have them all lined up, a bunch of them. And say, man, my papa, he's a man of God. He lays hands on the sick and stuff happens. He casts out devils. Uh, you know, the greatest thing I could be, I think our kids and grandkids could ever say about us, they never compromise the gospel. They never compromise the gospel. Now, how many of you can say that about your life right now? See, Jesus is taking enlistees right here. He goes on to say, all that about what's going to happen, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and look how he ends in verse 34. And the third day, he will rise again. You know what the message says? He'll rise alive. Now, this is very significant for me and you because every time in a believer's life there's death, you know what death always resulted in in the kingdom of God? Life. Life. But so with resurrection, guys, on the other side, it's always going to be better. Always going to be better. What happens as a believer when you die? You get to go to heaven. It's going to be better. And so this is what I believe Jesus is telling You may go through some stuff here. But guess what? I'm going to arise after three days. And life is going to be so much better for you guys. I believe this is big for all of us. That when we keep following Jesus, He's going to make you the real thing. He's going to make you that masterpiece. That you're not going to be a plastic person. You're not going to be a person that's manufactured by this world. You're going to be a saint of God. And you're going to say, I'm going to serve you, Father. See, don't think these guys in the Bible got their guys by spending all their time at church in the back row talking about what they're doing at Starbucks. They all went through stuff. I mean, I think about John the Baptist. He was John the Baptist, John the Baptist. He was John the Baptist, man. He was a bad dude. He's beheaded. So we don't want to hear that. Beheaded. But you think about those guys. They didn't get in this book. They didn't get in the Faith Hall of Fame by being a bunch of pansies. They got in there because they said, you know what, Lord, we're going to follow you to the end. Just read about Peter and Paul's life. And I love this passage here because at one time his name was Peter the Pathetic. And because he allowed Jesus to make him and he got full of the Holy Ghost, he went out swinging. 
It's the same as us. But I got to stay hooked to Jesus because Christianity isn't Christianity without a cross. Without a cross. And it ought to be a privilege for us to say, okay, Lord Jesus, mold me, make me. You know the scriptures say he's the potter and we're the clay? Stand up with me today. See, this was the teacher. This was his journey 